the types of things that we're struggling with and the, the goals we may set for ourselves and the way that exactly plays out in our own businesses and families and so forth may all look a little bit different and unique, but the core of who we are as humans, it's the same for all of us. And at the end, we all need support and we need structure and we need frameworks. We talk about this when we're raising our kids, right? Mm-hmm. Like they need boundaries. And that's because they need to have some space to anchor themselves so that they can grow. And that's ultimately what the coaching process really is. Working women, how many things are you expected to do on a daily basis? Between walking those 10,000 steps, hydrating, making plant-based meals for our family, Pinterest-worthy lunches for our kids, spectacular date nights for our husband, and let's not forget climbing that corporate ladder, we're asked to do these things each and every day. So much so that often it feels like we are trying to balance on the high wire of life. So welcome to the High Wire Woman podcast hosted by me, Rosanna Brary. I'm an immigration lawyer, a mother to a teenage son, a wife, and an entrepreneur who truly believes that working women can have it all. Join me as I interview other high-achieving women, and together, let's learn about the skills and the fortitude that we need to create the happy, prosperous, and balanced life we so richly deserve. Hello, High Wire Woman. Welcome to another episode of the High Wire Woman podcast. We're at a really interesting time in the United States. I don't know about you, but where I live, there are help wanted signs everywhere. The local Tim Hortons on the corner of where I live only is open until noon today and noon every day because they can't find workers. Yet all we hear about is this great resignation and how so many people are quitting their jobs right now. And there's this really weird tension between tons of jobs being available and not enough workers. Well, today's guest is going to talk to us a little bit about finding what you truly want to do. If you're part of the great resignation or you're not real thrilled about the career that you're in, or you know that there's something more, you can feel it, you know it's out there, but you don't know exactly what that is. Our guest today is going to help us figure that out and figure out how to figure out what we're looking for. So today we're honored to speak to Dr. Gina Geis. Gina is a physician. She's a practicing neonatologist and an associate professor of both pediatrics and bioethics at a large academic healthcare system. She received her Bachelor of Science degree at Siena College and her medical degree at Albany Medical College in Albany, New York. She did a pediatric residency and fellowship in neonatal perinatal medicine at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, followed by a second fellowship in bioethics at Harvard and a Master of Science at the Alden March Bioethics Institutes. She is trained at the Stanford WellMD Chief Wellness Officer course and became a professional coach through Coach University. Her expertise is in career development, well-being, professional fulfillment, leadership development, and communication. Dr. Geis, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. You're one of those women that I look at when I go to a hospital or with my son at a doctor's appointment. And I'm like, man, her job is really hard. How does she do like the day-to-day stuff? Tell us a little bit about you, your journey, who you are, what you do. Absolutely. So I am a practicing full-time physician. I specialize in intensive care unit medicine for mainly premature infants or full-term infants with critical illness. 
as a physician, I work exclusively in the neonatal intensive care unit, which is a stressful job and has some wonderful, beautiful moments that I get to be a part of, but also some pretty significant challenges. And along the way in my career, I was noticing more and more of those ethical challenges that we were facing in medicine. And that became something that I was really interested in understanding better what my role was in mitigating some of that distress, both on the healthcare provider side, as well as on the parent and family side. And so I went back and did some extra training in bioethics with a fellowship in the master's because I really value education and I, it helps me solidify the experiences that I'm having and living through but I wanted to be able to do better for my patients and my families that we care for. And along the way, as I've been a bioethicist and working within the hospital system with trainees and faculty and staff, I used to go around, I still go around and sort of talk to people about their lived experiences with ethical issues. Mm -hmm. And a number of years ago, what I was finding was happening when I was coming by to talk about what ethical dilemmas are you facing? this concept of burnout kept emerging into the conversation. And so it got me very curious about that intersection between moral distress and what I was learning about in bioethics and what that sort of lived human experience was for the healthcare workers themselves. And so I thought, well, there must be some connection here that we keep talking about burnout as I'm, I'm trying to talk about ethics. And so I started to study burnout a little bit more and I was used to sort of building curriculum around ethics and studying whether that curriculum was meeting the needs of my learners. And so as I started to study burnout more, I realized that yes, that intersection between moral distress and burnout was critically important and something that we need to address. But it was just one piece of a much bigger societal and systemic problem of all the key drivers that lead to professional burnout. So then I started expanding my my understanding of what those drivers were. And that led me to want to get trained in that field. And so that's why I went back and went to the chief wellness officer course and ultimately became the vice chair for professional fulfillment. And through that started studying about coaching and how coaching was something that was used in the business world pretty readily for a number of decades now and has clearly proven its worth. But often in healthcare industry, we're a bit further behind some other industries and recognizing some of those tools. And so I started to see in the medical literature how coaching could be an evidence-based approach to help people with burnout. And so at first I hired my own coach to kind of try out this experience for myself and recognize that there were a lot of really wonderfully trained coaches that weren't necessarily comfortable or familiar with coaching physicians on some of the nuanced applications and stresses that we go through. And so I felt that that was a critical gap that I needed to fill. And so I went back and got trained as a professional coach and now get to be able to offer that service to both my physician colleagues and healthcare provider colleagues, but other professionals and primarily to women who are really sort of looking for these tools to build their ideal careers. It's super interesting. I bet COVID has had a huge impact on burnout, particularly in the medical field. Um, yes. I know a lot of medical professionals, first responders, healthcare workers. It's been a long, long road. And when you talk about burnout, 
Tell me a little bit about, we know, like when I think of burnout, I think like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. But tell me what like the real definition is and how we know if we are burned out, like what's the line that you cross when you're like, oh, I got to do something here. Yeah, that's a great question. The most sort of widely used model or definition for burnout, I think, at least in my experience, comes from Dr. Christina Maslock out of UC Berkeley. She has studied this across all industries for a number of years now, and she's the creator of the Maslock Burnout Inventory, which is a great tool if you haven't thought of using it before that you can you know, download and give to yourself and sort of make some sense of what this is. But the definitions vary a little bit across the different industries, but the three core components that really are applicable to everyone is that you are experiencing when you're having burnout, you're experiencing either emotional exhaustion, this idea that the emotional toll that your work is taking on you is leading you to have higher levels of exhaustion than what sort of your physical body would normally experience. So emotional exhaustion is one component. The next is depersonalization. And that's sort of how it shows up in the healthcare industry. But there are correlates with others as well, where this idea that you're starting to treat or think about other people at a bit of a distance. And so you're thinking about the tasks and not the people behind the tasks. You're thinking about the problems and not the human experience that's leading to the problems. And when you start to disconnect and depersonalize your work, that's another sign of burnout. And the third one is this lack of personal or professional accomplishment. The idea that, you know, the things that used to motivate you to keep getting up and and going to work and do this important work is no longer really fulfilling you. And you're not feeling that same set of accomplishment with the work that you're doing. Wow, that's super interesting. And I think so many women could be like, check, check, check. (laughs) Check all three boxes, emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, lack of accomplishment. For the few people in the universe that are doing truly what they love, and I'm one of them, it's great. But I think there's a whole lot of people out there. So tell me what you're seeing with your clients. Like, What are people going through? Tell me a little bit about what they're going through and then how you're working with them. Like, what are you doing? How does it work? So what I think is so interesting is that I tend to attract clients who are very high functioning already, you know, and so they're used to juggling a million things. They're skilled at it. They've developed workarounds and supports around it. And that's gotten to them to where they are in their careers now. And they could probably keep going with that for quite some time. But what happens is without that level of reflection on what this work and the way you're showing up with your work is affecting your whole life and the sort of holistic look at how work and life integrate, there becomes a tipping point. And when you've reached that tipping point, It's not to say that, you know, we often use these analogies of like, you know, you're out of gas or your tank is out of gas or you need to recharge your batteries or those kinds of things. I think that those are sometimes not very helpful analogies because when a toy, when my children's toy, you know, runs out of batteries, you know, it just stops. It doesn't work anymore until you do something to fix it. But that's not how we function. We don't get to just stop. And what happens is it's, we kind of overexpend our energies 
and some people have used the analogy of even like a bank account as a better analogy of what's happening, where there's a period of time where you can actually overspend in your bank account and you're going to continue to accrue penalty for that. And that's really what we're doing as we continue to push ourselves through this without stopping and evaluating what we really want to be doing and how this is harming ourselves and potentially the people around us to keep going in this way. And so because my clients tend to be so high functioning, they've often come to working with me when they are pretty far in the red mm-hmm. in that over expense. And so the strategies there end up being a, a bit different than maybe some of my clients who, you know, as this work is getting out there more and more that are a bit more proactive about it. So for me, when I ended up hiring my first coach, I really thought I was only doing it as a thought experiment to kind of try this out and be able to endorse this for my programming. And I'd never experienced it before. So I would not have classified myself as being burnt out at the time I started working with my own coach. But I did have goals that I I wanted to achieve. And I, I did feel stuck in some of those goals and sort of didn't feel like I had the right strategies to be able to move forward with them. So depending on where you are in your journey, there may be just a goal that you're trying to work on. And and we kind of systematically work through creating a path that's customized for you. But when, when people are coming and they're really have been sort of living in this experience for quite some time, we need sort of an overhaul of how we spend our time and the systems that we've created to support us and how we can sort of rely on some of those systems in a different way or rethink the way we're spending our time to at least even start creating space to do this work to be able Mm -hmm. to move forward, if that makes sense. For sure. So I have to ask the burning question. You're a physician. You have an extremely stressful job. You're helping other people facing burnout. How do you do this? How do you balance it? How do you keep it all going on? So for me, I feel that my purpose is in making connections with others and being able to help move the people around me along. I'm a strong introvert. I really kind of thrive on those one-on-one and small group connections. It actually takes a lot of energy for me to be in a big crowded space or sort of engaging with a lot of people at the same time. But I really thrive in those small groups and those one-on-one close relationships. And That's how I choose to show up when I'm trying to help people through this burnout experience, because it allows me to give more wholly of myself and to be more authentic in that interaction. And it helps create and hold space for others to do the same. And so by doing that, we end up both growing through the experience and people need to be able to see themselves in others. They need to be able to see that reflection in others, both in others who are seem to be keeping it together and moving further along. But we need to be able to share the really hard facts about what our lives are really like and the things that we're struggling with. I mean, all of my coaching clients, I'm sure if you could talk to all of them, they would say, you know, they get the silly stories and messages from me of the things I forgot or the thing I was late for or the mm-hmm. kid that went to school, you know, with their hair a mess on school picture day and all of the normal things that people are experiencing. And if, if we try to sort of keep that from the world and kind of present this picture of, 
you know, perfection or that we have it all together. And that's what, you know, we're striving for. That's just setting us all up for failure. The reality is, is that life is beautiful and messy and Mm -hmm. challenging and fun. And there's a balance with all of it. And even the hardest moments offer so much value. So how can we help each other see the beauty in that and celebrate those highs and lows and to give others the tools to move through those lows in a more productive and healthy way and to overall be able to try to change that balance a little bit in a way that feels really fulfilling for them and for us. Yeah, and I think we live in such a difficult time now with social media and everything looking so perfect, right? It's hard not to compare yourself, but I've said it before on this podcast, I'm going to be 50 soon. And what I've learned in these 50 years is that the more perfect something is, the more disastrous it really is behind the scenes. I I mean, there are a few people that they might have the perfect looking dinner party or, you know, the family has coordinated outfits on the holidays. Like usually anything that looks like you can wrap it up, put a bow around is usually a hot mess underneath. (laughs) And I'm always interested in the hot mess underneath because we all have it, right? We all do. There's no way that you can function in the world that we live in, whether you have kids or not. It's messy, it's hard, it's complicated. And yet we're like focusing all this time and energy on making it look good. I think that makes people feel even worse about their situations, right? When you're like, uh, my kid went to school last week wearing my husband's shoes. Um, (laughs) Like he's 15. They almost fit him. They were a little big. I'm like, oh my God, how did this happen? Right? Absolutely. How did I not catch that? And my husband called me and he's like, where are my shoes? (laughs) It was this mystery in our family. It happens. It happens. I'm not a bad mom. My son's 15. He should have figured it out, but he didn't. So what? Who cares? Right. But no one talks about that stuff. And I love that not only have you devoted your career to helping families and babies and people in need, but now you've taken it to another level and really helping people identify what they really want to do and how to be their true selves. So I'm just so thankful that there are people like you out there that are really looking for that deeper human connection and helping others. Oh, thank you so much. So if people want to learn more about you and your work and your services, what's the best place for them to go? Sure. So they could find me on my website, which is www.ginageismd.com. And the other way you could find me is on email, which is my first name, Gina, G-I-N-A at ginageismd.com. And through that website, you know, you'd primarily see that it's sort of, you know, focused on healthcare providers, healthcare professionals, but I do coach other professionals as well. I've done group coaching programs for teachers. I really wanted to be able to give back to particularly my local teachers that are educating my own children and struggling through this pandemic as well and have worked with other corporate industries and scientists and other allied health professionals and so forth. But I think it's really beautiful to be able to see how these skills that I've learned through coaching really can be applied to all professions. And what that tells me is that, you know, we're all inherently the same, right? Mm -hmm. So the types of things that we're struggling with and the, the goals we may set for ourselves and the way that exactly plays out in our own businesses and families and so forth may all look a little bit different and unique. But 
the core of who we are as humans is the same for all of us. And at the end, we all need support and we need structure and we need frameworks. We talk about this when we're raising our kids, right? Mm -hmm. Like they need boundaries. And that's because they need to have some space to anchor themselves so that they can grow. And that's ultimately what the coaching process really is, is to provide that structure and framework so that the coaching client themselves can help create that path. And that means that that path is customized to where they want to be. It's factoring on all the important things that are influencing their life and their decisions and gets to be much more likely to be successful than just following along with someone's path that you sort of idolize or admire and saying, you know, well, what did you do to get there? Um, This needs to be something that's a little bit more customized to you. So those I would say would be the two ways to reach me if you're interested. Great. So listeners will have Gina's information in our show notes. So it's easy for you to click on her website, check it out. She's also on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Lots of good information. And Hi, Wire Woman, it is hard, 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 hard to walk on that high wire of life every day. We all do it. It's not pretty, but I'll argue all day long. It's way easier to walk on the high wire of life when you're living your authentic life and you're not doing things because you feel like you have to, to really be authentic and to lean into people like Dr. Geis who can help you figure out what you really should be doing. And I'm not a big fan of the word should, but really what you want to do and getting to the life that you want. Embrace it. This is the time that we're living in. I'm not sure this time's ever going to happen again, where we're having this great reset and resignation where people are saying, you know what? I don't want to work in a big law firm right now. I don't want to build 2000 hours a week. I'm definitely going to fall off the highway of life if I continue doing this. So Dr. Geis, thank you so much for being here. I'm completely fascinated by you and your work. And thank you for working with all the healthcare professionals and professionals in general that are looking to be a better version of themselves. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the High Wire Woman podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or others, I hope you'll share it with a friend so together we can all stand that high wire of life. Make sure to subscribe or follow us on your favorite listening platform so you never miss an episode and follow us on social media at Highwire Woman for more information. Until next time, I'm Rosanna Berardi. Be sure to stay on that high wire of life.